Welcome to a message by Highway Christian Community. Highway Christian Community is a church in Pinetown pastored by Steve and Janet Wheeler, whose vision is to make disciples. You can visit their website at www.highway.org.za. We hope that today's message enlightens the eyes of your heart to know the goodness of God and awakens you to live your God-given purpose. Enjoy. So, um, we're very blessed to have our good friend and elder in the church, Richard, come up and share a message with us this morning. He is a real blessing. I'm so glad Heather married him. He, he is just a champion of note. He's one of the most humble, diligent, faithful, honest, hardworking people I've ever met. And I've always said, if I come back again and know what I know today, I want to be a dad, just like him. He's an amazing father, wonderful husband, and a great blessing to this church. So, Rich, God bless you today. Thanks, Steve. I don't know if my teenage daughters will necessarily agree with all those sentiments, but uh, I I accept them, thanks. Um, And as far as humble goes, I, I really thought that it was the trombone solo that really made the whole carol evening come together. Thank you, thank you. There's that humility coming through. So, um, thanks Steve. Today, we are in the festive period, let's call it that. And I got a little bit carried away, I have to confess. I started looking at nativity scenes on the internet. And I came up with a couple of of different pictures. This one is pretty crowded. Um, I'm battling to find Jesus in the midst of it. Uh, (laughs) I haven't spotted him yet. But um, if you do... And you know, obviously the three, three wise men did some teleporting and got there on time. Um, we know that there was a couple of years difference, but that's okay. You know, all things are fair. This one, everyone is looking pretty surprised. Um, even Jesus is looking surprised in that manger. And the donkey is confused. Um, here we have the modern uh, nativity scene. And... Everyone is sharing the pictures with the rest of the family. Mom has got a cappuccino in hand. Then there's the cat in the cradle. Um, So someone got really comfy at night. (laughs) How it shouldn't have gone. Um, Whoops, let's go back. And let's call it the simple simple one, the angels there. And um, there are a lot of different... Actors, you could say. Actors are not the right word, but you'll see there's an angel, shepherds, donkeys and sheep. This one here really struck me. Okay, because I found there were a couple of characters missing. And I actually used this as the basis for, for, for what I'm going to talk about today. And also from my life group, Lee gave me, we were talking about one of the characters. And I was really inspired this about a month ago, and I've been meditating on that for a while. So here we see something quite interesting. Joseph is sitting well in the back. <laughs> He's nowhere to be seen if I go back there. There's a lot of shepherds, and everyone's like eagling over Jesus, and the father figure, or the earthly father figure, is well in the background there. 
And I wanted to, that's it. I wanted to talk about the role of the supporting cast. A bit of a controversial heading, I have to admit. And I'll, I'll come back to that as we go. So, some other supporting cast members. Um, I'll have to confess that I'm a massive fan of biblical, let's call it underdogs. If you could say, I mean, there's Miriam. So Miriam was Moses' sister. She actually kept an eye on the, on the floating uh, basket that he was in. She actually partnered up mom with baby Moses uh, when the, um, Pharaoh's daughter got a hold of it. And um, she also see her at the dead, well, when they cross the, the Red Sea, she's pro prophesying. Um, Caleb, you know, we always see Joshua took the promised land, but actually Caleb was always there, and he was faithful, and there, was, there were blessings that went with Caleb, but he wasn't, let's call it the main shining star of the story. We have um, Jonathan and David. There's a lot of, you know, they, they really were like the best of friends. You don't read much about Jonathan, although... Um, in terms of that context, and there's a lot of focus on David. Deborah was one of the uh, judges um, in early Israel after the conquest of the land. But she tends to be, as most women are, overshadowed by the Samsons of this world and the Gideons. Um, and you don't really see her in the, in, the, in the limelight, per se. My favorite story that always gives me goosebumps is Jonathan and the shield bearer. And the shield bearer is like supporting cast member. These guys like wipe out a Philistine camp of 30 Philistines. Come, let's go. Yeah, I'll go. I'm with you. Woof, off they go, you know. And the shield bearer, their hands stuck to their swords. Eventually, they just like, with some, okay, gory. Etc., etc., etc. So, um, I wanted to focus on, on Joseph's story today. So, in the, in the festive season, the nativity scene has this, Supporting cast member per se, Joseph. And um, the, a lot of the story is covered in Matthew. So I'm not going to reference it all the time because almost a lot of these verses are coming straight out of there. But the story begins with, I wanted to just maybe overview who Joseph was. So he, in essence, in today's society, he would have been termed a blue-collar worker. You know, we talked about being humble at, at, at birth, and, and Steve alluded to the cradle. But he was really, he was, a, he was a tradesman, carpenter. And he would have been older than Mary. So in this time and place, um, the ladies got married quite young, between the ages of 13, 14, 15, somewhere around there. So Anna and Amy would both be off my hands around about now. Whew. Times have changed. But um, then we had uh, the men were not were legally required to provide shelter, clothing, and food before they could marry. So they had to be able to support the wife. So he would have been a bit older than Mary. He would have had to be into his trade already and earning an income. Um, he was poor. So when they go and make an offering um, after Jesus is born, you see that they're bringing the bare minimum that offering, which was a couple of doves, which means indicated their social wealth status, which wasn't high. Interesting is that there was an expanded family. So after Jesus was born, 
Joseph went on to sign four more um, sons. Some of them appear in the Bible. Um, they are, I've lost my place, but there's James, Joseph, another Joseph, Jude, and Simon, and he also had several daughters. So there was quite a large family that grew up in which Jesus grew up in. We often don't think about it, but the Bible's pretty clear on it. And um, he died before Jesus started his ministry. So we don't know when that happened. But it would be some time after Jesus had turned 12 and between when he was 13. But if he sired a family of, of six other siblings, you can add the numbers. They had a decent life together at that stage. So you can surmise from that. So I wanted to just paint to this, what we see from the Bible about him. Then, of the line of Judah, this is interesting, and I got, once again, slightly sidetracked here. Jacob blesses his sons. He's a, he's going, he knows he's about to die, and um, this is after um, the first Joseph had been redeemed, or the whole family had been got together again, and they're all the brothers, and etc. And he had this to say over Judah. The scepter will not depart from Judah, this is in Genesis 49, verse 10, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs. Now the word there in Hebrew is the legal ruler shall come and the obedience of the nation shall be his. So right then and there, um, Jacob has prophesied over the line of Judah, saying that a legal ruler will come out of this family line. Um, then we have Jeremiah 22:30. There actually was a curse on one of the lines of, of Judah's family tree. There was a king called, I'm going to try and pronounce it. Steve can correct me here. Jehoiakim. Okay, five out of ten. Um, and what happened is he was an evil king that did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Um, and this is just before... Babylonians invaded. None of his, in, this is what Jeremiah prophesied over this particular line, which is Jacob's line, uh, Joseph's line. None of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. So we have a blessing and we have a curse over this line of Judah, which is interesting. So what is quite interesting in terms of this is that that this line over here was Joseph's line. The one above was Mary's line. And there were, two, there were two separate splits in the family tree. And so legally, because Joseph, um, Jesus is Joseph, <laughs> was he adopted effectively, well, he came, wasn't necessarily adopted, but he wasn't the blood father of Jesus. That legal line continued. And so prophecy was fulfilled. I mean, very, I mean, God just like works behind the scenes. He's got this all planned out. And, um, and Mary was of the same bloodline from Judah's side with David. And so David's bloodline prospered and had Jesus come out of it as well. But anyway, what I really, okay, that was just completely off the point. 
What I wanted to come to is the scandal in Nazareth. Okay, so we get this picture of the nativity scene, and everyone is like cozy, and the sheep are, cattle are lowing, and everything looks quite like family orientated. But really, if we go back a couple of months, it wasn't like that. Things had come off the wheels quite badly. So what we see is that this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. We see that Matthew 1.18, his mother Mary was pledged to be married. When we say pledged, she was legally already married to, to Joseph. So what they did is they, they, Joseph would have brought a bridal price to the father. Okay, not a Lamborghini in this case, but um, he, like Labola in a sense, I suppose. And they would have signed a contract. Of, and then there was 12 months where Mary stayed in her father's home. And it was a time of, let's say, assessment. And only after that did they, the, the marriage contract sort of reach its performance. So they were theoretically legally married, or, or practically in a sense. They were pledged. She was found to be pregnant. When they say found, I mean, how do you find out if someone's pregnant? Okay. <laughs> she was showing. She was already three months in. Now, um, she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to just imagine how this would have gone down with Joseph. Okay, so the love of his life is now showing at three months. They're still in this engagement process period. And his life has just fallen to pieces. Okay, so, so put the happy nativity scene aside for a second. If this was you, how would you feel about it? It would be pretty uncool. Not just that. This town was small. Five, six thousand inhabitants. Everyone knew everyone else. So straight away, there's some issues that are raised here in terms of Joseph's reputation. Either it was the postman or Joseph didn't have self-control. It was one of those two. There was no virgin birth in the community's eyes. They didn't hang on to that. They wouldn't have equated this occurrence with the virgin birth yet. And they still didn't, because later on we see that Jesus wasn't welcome in his own hometown. So they, didn't, they still didn't get it. Because Joseph... Her husband. So Joseph has already called her husband. They're not, they haven't consummated the marriage, but as I indicated, that they were legally married in terms of the law. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. And so then he sought in mind to divorce her quietly on the side. So he was an honorable man. He said, okay, sure, how are we going to get out of this? Well, it's not my son. Um, I'm going to just divorce her on the side, but I'm not going to. Yeah, illegally, he had the right to take her before the elders and get her stoned before her father's house if he wanted to. That's what the law required. They were under Roman law at the time as well as Jewish law, but Jewish law would have probably applied. Because he was theoretically married, he had also the right to divorce. He could go and find a couple of witnesses quietly on the side and divorce her without creating a massive public spectacle. But we know that probably word had got out already. So that people were talking. 
So Joseph, I want to just cast Joseph in different characteristics. So one of the areas I'm looking at is Joseph as the fiancé. But after he had considered this, this is reading from verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he was considering it. He was, I suspect, when I say considering it, he was sweating. And he was tossing and turning. And he was in a lot of anxiety. I suspect this was, let's call it the dark period of his life. Um, so an angel comes to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. First promise comes. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. So this is amazing in some ways, in that Joseph doesn't question he immediately obeys what the angel is telling him. Get up, and he goes and he marries. Takes Mary as his, as his wife. But he didn't sleep with them, so he actually, uh, he did what the angel commanded. So, this for me shows some characteristics of, of who he was. The issues that he faced. How did Joseph feel about all of this at the time? And what I wanted to say is, what do you think this did for his reputation and his image amongst the community? So I suspect that if, you know, it, it takes quite a, a guy to take on a pregnant lady who's not pregnant by you and just step into it. But he was obedient and he just said, okay. And I wanted to just classify there. There's a very big difference between rights and doing the right thing. We live in a very rights-orientated society. Joseph, by all legal rights, could have divorced Mary. He could have saved his own reputation, per se. He had the right to do it. But it wasn't necessarily the right thing. You know, we have workers' rights. We have human, human rights. We have teenager rights. <laughs> what happened to my rights? Teenagers cry. But rights are not the right thing necessarily. They tend to put you before other people. I come first, others come second. And so that's what rights tend to do if you're going to live by rights. You know, I, I was horrified. Okay, I'm not going to go into it, but I mean, this, this, there's this, this big fight in the courts for workers to get a salary increase. Well, there are so many people that are retrenched and looking for work, and they're fighting for that increase. And I, I do struggle with it um, because it's a right issue versus what actually is right. The character of Joseph displayed here. So we see that Joseph is selfless. Now, he's willing to sacrifice his own rights and ready to, to humble, will put himself down and say, okay, well, Lord, you've asked me to do this. Not a problem. I'm, I'm going to step up to the plate. We see that he is kind. Right up front, before the angel even came to him, his character is revealed. Seeking to do the right thing, 
by Mary. He was going to divorce her quietly to spare her the agony of a public humiliation. He was obedient straight away. Lord, I've heard your angel. I'm going to obey you. Off he goes and does it. And he had self-control. He could have, you know, now he's going to marry this woman. He's not allowed to actually sleep with her for another nine or ten months. So he had to stay in the same house with her and fuss bait, bro. Um, so he had self-control. Um, he was willing to, to do the right thing. And he was humble. He was willing to put up with what everyone would have said around him and sacrifice his own image amongst the community. Joseph as a father. This is another chapter in his life. Happened quite soon after the birth. When the Magi had gone, this is with Herod, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until you, uh, until I tell you, for Herod is going to seek the child to kill him. So the enemy had a plan. The enemy was going to try and wipe out Jesus. What's interesting is that the devil didn't know who the baby was. So they just started killing children left, right, and center. So he, the devil's not omnipotent. He doesn't have all the information clearly described here. He got up. He got up immediately. Took the child during the night and left for Egypt. So there was no like questioning. Lord, can we wait till the morning? It's not, incon- it's not very inconvenient right now. You know, what about the house? What about the car? <laughs> what about the donkey and the sheep? Up in the middle of the night, off they went. Where he stayed until the death of Herod. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who were looking to take the child's life are now dead. So, it's interesting how the angel just talks to him. Get up. Okay. Up he gets. It's amazing, eh? No questions. Bringing up a son. This is interesting. It shows Joseph's character, how he went about. And there's a point to this, and I'm going to come to it. (laughs) But bringing up a son, Matthew 22. When the time came for purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And then jumping to 39. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Um, And after three days, they found him in the temple courts. This is Jesus went able, um, sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. I'm going to come to Matthew just now. But these verses show me some characteristics of Joseph. First of all, Jesus knew his Bible. Okay, in those days, it was the Old Testament law. He was confident enough at the age of 12 to be able to go in and listen and speak as an equal with the teachers of the law. How did he get there at the age of 12? So he, 
his father had had to have, earthly father had had to have something to do with it. So clearly, Joseph had been bringing him up to understand, or give him access to the law and the teachings of the law. And the community would have helped as well. I mean, um, what I found very interesting is that Joseph brought him up in a community. Why do I say that? Because they were confident enough to walk half the way home before they realized that he was missing. What it means is that the whole community got, would take part in the raising of a child. And so only when they started asking around, I mean, what a great way to live, actually. You don't know that your child's missing. Um, because everyone is a parent <laughs> in this environment. It's an important point. And he also brought him up in the trade, Matthew 13. This is when Jesus is in his hometown and everyone's giving him a hard time. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Not said in a nice way, by the way. They asked, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And aren't all his sisters with us? There's the whole family. Jesus' family put together. So, you see that he was raised up in the trade by Joseph. So he was raised as the carpenter to follow what his father was doing, his earthly father. And there's some more character, the character of Joseph is revealed. We see that Joseph was a protector. Even this wasn't his earthly son by blood. He took on the role of protector immediately. He was going to shelter this child and be obedient to God in it. So when God said, up you get, go, in the middle of the night, I will do whatever it takes to save this, this, this child. Of mine, he took on the role of father. By naming Jesus, the angel says, you name him. He named him. So Joseph actually named him Jesus. What a privilege. And by that theory, I wouldn't say there was adoption per se, but he took on the legal obligation by naming him as father. He was fully obedient to the requirements of the law. The Bible says they did everything required by the law. And he brought him up in a loving community, taught him the trade, and exposed him to the scriptures. Now here's something interesting. God trusted Joseph. I don't see God hanging around once a month check-ins. How's my son doing? Um, Joe, you, you, you missed out a bit on Deuteronomy over here. I'm, I'm not that happy with the way you're disciplining him. Is that a stick? Um, <laughs> did you shout at my son, my real son? You don't see God as a control controller trying to control this, which is very interesting. I mean, God fully entrusts Joseph. Wow. Do you get this? God fully entrusts him with the raising of his son. This is God's only son. Okay? With full responsibility. He's not micromanaging. A couple of angels were needed in the beginning just to keep things on track. But after that, there's no more action from God in terms of intervention that we know. He trusted Joseph to obey without question. Three times. Joseph obeys without question. He entrusted Joseph to bring up his son in a loving community. That was the right place at the right time. 
God knew that Joseph and Mary were the perfect parents and that that humble community would give Jesus an upbringing in a loving community. So the role of the supporting cast. This message, 2020, when I was praying about this, I mean, I actually was asking the Lord, what did I want to communicate in this message? Um, it's an important question to ask if you're preaching, I suppose. Eh? And <laughs> I already felt a sense of the Lord saying, you need to convey hope. And that's what I want to do now, is that 2020 has been a tough year for many. It shows a couple of dark clouds over there. The end is near. Yeah, the apocalypse. I don't think so. But it has felt like that. We, there's been a lot of personal loss in all sorts of areas of people's lives. When we talk about Joseph's dark time, I feel that a lot of people have gone through the same dark times this year. Okay, but that's just a small part of this Joseph's story. We see that he had a whole massive family. He was blessed with another four sons and a couple of daughters. He was in a great community. Now, we don't see what happened behind the scenes, but you can, you can work out that he seemed to have a pretty contented life. And so, I don't believe there is a supporting cast. Controversial title, yes. <laughs> God doesn't have favorites. So, you know, the wise men selected and Mary takes the limelight in all of this. I don't think so. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 10, 17. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. He shows no partiality. He shows no, zero partiality. And he accepts no bribes. Lord. Do this for me and I'll be good. <laughs> Santa, give me a tree. Okay, sorry. Da, 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 da. Okay. okay. I've been a real good boy. Santa, bring me a present. God doesn't work like that. <laughs> he doesn't show partiality. But what he does is he wants to trust in you. And he wants you to trust in him. So, Norma brought up a word this morning about trusting in God, which directly linked to what you are talking about today. Thank you, Norma, for being obedient. She trusted in the Lord and stepped out in faith. And even Dave's song this morning, there was one about the Father's house. It talked about this aspect of trust and the, the Father of God. And I wanted to really just narrow down to this one verse from Proverbs, which for me encapsulates Joseph's story in a verse or two. So, trust in the Lord completely. Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. And boy, there have been a lot of opinions around COVID, haven't there? Everyone's got an opinion. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. So I think a lot of folk have tried to come out of COVID in their own strength. 
and it's been a battle. Become intimate with him in whatever you do. Whatever you do, brushing your teeth, doesn't matter. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. And so for me, this encapsulated Joseph's story. He trusted in the Lord, and the Lord trusted in him. They were in, let's call it a form of a partnership. Together we are going to raise Jesus together. What? Joseph has just raised God's son. Wow, man. What has God got in store for you? What has he set aside for you in the coming year? There are so many unwritten stories in this Bible. Little side notes of different people with just a one-liner is mentioned. They're not the central class characters, but they had, they had faith and trusted God, and he used that. And that is the last slide. So what I want to do is I want, first of all, if we can just stand, please. I'd like to invite anyone who has not given their lives over to God. Because there are some people that are struggling with this trust issue. When you surrender your life to Jesus, it means that you need to let go of the reins of your life. And there's a trust issue there. You saw that Joseph was prepared to be obedient in that. Jesus, who we talked about, his birth here today, who came to set you free from sin. Now's a good time. Now's a good time to take your trust off yourself and your own strength. You can't save yourself. You can't wash yourself clear through good works. But the Bible is clear that if you confess and you believe that Jesus is Lord, He is, will come and He will cleanse you. He sets you free. You are born again. So I'm going to just pray quickly. If that is you today, just let's close our eyes. I'm just going to pray for you. Our Father, we've just heard about the story of Joseph and how he could put his trust in you and he could obey. And Lord, I pray that if, Holy Spirit, you've been talking in people's hearts here today who do not know you as Lord and Savior. They've been putting their trust in their own strength and it's been a battle and things have gone a bit haywire. Not to say that putting our trust in you, everything goes rosy, Lord. But they will be free from the guilt and the burden of sin and they will be co-laborers with you in a new purpose. So Lord, yes, if it's you today out there and this is you and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, I want you just to declare that today, just repeat after me, today I give all my burdens and all the things that I've done wrong to you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the forgiveness of my sins and I stand now washed clean. Today I'm set free from the guilt and the burden of sin. I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come inside and 
transform our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Secondly, if you have been battling with this trust issue and you think that you're just a minor role player and you see great things happening, the donors of this world organizing this and you feel like you're just a second-rate cast member, I want you to go and meditate on that Proverbs verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and seek the intimate relationship with Christ. He is looking to transform your life and He has great things in store for you today. But it does require something from you. You are going to have to put aside your rights. So let's just pray for that. Father, I just thank you today, Lord, for Joseph's story, Lord, and how he was willing to step aside in the, of his rights, put them aside and do what was right in your eyes, Lord. And Lord, I pray for the same for all of us here today that are battling in this area, where we are struggling with, we're entitled to this, or Lord, I can't let this thing go. Today we break that in the name of Jesus. We pray freedom for the captives in the name of Jesus that they'll be set free from that. And Lord, I just pray that they'll be able to give these things over to you and trust you and to seek intimacy with you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Good word, Richard. Just very interesting that uh, the support role that people play, they say in playing the violin, it's the second fiddle it actually makes the first fiddle, violin, uh, come to its maximum uh, beauty of sound. Without that, it's quite bland. And you know, in all of our lives, there's a role we play as lead violinist. There's, we all are leaders. We all take a number one place in life. God's called us to that. But you know, there's also times when He calls us to play second fiddle. And... There's times where we support and blow wind in other people's sails. And in that, our hearts also get developed and exposed and strengthened. Because if we can't support others, then we're not leaders ourselves. You're a leader to the extent you also know how to support others. I just wanted to throw that in at the end there. But good message, Richard. And uh, well done.